Hey guys, and welcome again to another episode of the Branch Ministries Upstander 2.0 podcast. We have a special guest once again, Takuza Andrea, joining us. Thank you, TK, for joining us here today. And none other than Thomas Kambazi. Thomas, thank you for being here. And myself, Richard Green, thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in. On today's podcast, we will be talking about our identity. We hear this term a lot of times our identity, what does it mean? What does it mean from a biblical perspective? What does it mean from a world perspective? And most importantly, what does it mean for these brothers here right now who we're talking to? So I wanna throw this out there and start this podcast by, by asking you guys, you know, either one of you jump in when you're ready, what does identity mean to you when you hear that word? Awesome question. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you referred to me as a special guest. I'm not sure if I'm so special in this podcast, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a regular just for our listeners. Uh, I was just absent for the, for the past uh, few podcasts, but it's so great to be back. Um, identity, man. Uh, identity. It's like your whole, your whole being, uh, your whole, like, um, what, like how people know you and how people view you like um that is the first thing that comes to my mind i don't know thomas what do you what do you think uh identity like it's it's just one of those words of like you know like we, we try to find that almost all of our lives right we like search for that our real selves all of our lives um and so it's a very intriguing intriguing concept what do you think thomas so uh similar to what you just said but different in, in a little bit is how I view it is instead of what other people, uh, how other people view you, I see it as how you view yourself. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Whatever you see is your identity and not just the physical features, but what the interpretation of that image that you're seeing when you look in the mirror is your, right. is your identity. Interesting. So just for FYI, because I think a dictionary is a lovely place of start for definitions. Yeah. The Oxford Dictionary has two definitions for identity. It says, first of all, it's who or what someone or something is. So who or what someone or something is. And two, the characteristics, the feelings or beliefs that distinguishes people from others. So no two identities technically are alike. They're unique distinguishing features that identify something or someone. So let's, let's start from that perspective. And of course, this is a, it's a very spiritual podcast. We talk about things of God and that nature. Yeah. Yeah, but let's look at it from a world perspective, meaning just from a, outside of the Bible. You know, when the world talks about identity, now we have a definition. You know, what are, what are some of the, the preconceived um, stereotypes that a lot of people have about identities. Anything that comes to mind so we can get this get the conversation going on that? I'll start it out by saying, you know, for a man, uh, there's a whole masculinity concept where, you know, we have stereotypes that say it's, if you're a man, you shouldn't cry or you shouldn't show emotions or, um, you know, you have to be stern all the time and talk rough and tough. And, you know, these, these are both stereotypes, these are complexes, and these are also identity frameworks, if you want to call it that, that society as a whole have come to accept as norms. So I'm just wondering, what are their, what are their, what are their stereotypes or identity frameworks uh, come to your mind? We know about the one that, you know, grown men don't cry. You know, is there anything else that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, like for me, um, like, you know, from this perspective of a, of a young black man, um, like I, I used to remember being in school, um, you know, I went to a Catholic high school. Um, so I remember being in school and, you know, whenever I would wear my hat, like, you know, you used to have the snapbacks or the fitted hats in school <laughs> back in the day, uh, or like, you know, I go to school one day, I didn't want to you know, wake up and brush my hair. So I just put on my do rag or whatever it is. Um, I find I find that it usually I was stereotyped into not being intelligent based on the uh, appearance mm. uh, or the identity that I was projecting. Because all of a sudden, things like a fitted hat or do rag is now identified with, like you know, somebody who's up to no good. 
right? And somebody who's not intelligent. Um, and I remember being in classes and being in like, you know, um, like, you know, talks and sessions in school where my opinion all of a sudden becomes devalued because of the appearance or the identity that I'm pushing forward. But it is really not a measure of my intelligence or, or of my capability. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that is another stereotype. Speaking of ter- stereotype of identities, that is one that you know really comes to mind and really sticks out for me too. That's DTK. Any any thoughts, Thomas? For me, I uh, one of the stereotypes which I see uh, a lot often, uh, you know, when you meet with people, networking with people, let's say it's a party or whatever it is, one of the first questions that people ask you is, um, after you tell them your name is, what do you do? Right. So I find a lot of times we um, identify people by what they do, whether they're a doctor, entrepreneur, a teacher, mm-hmm. whatever they are. And I in some way, I think it's another way of looking at people just by what they have done or they have achieved uh, right. from an um, intellectual, professional uh, mm. perspective. Whereas people are, in as much as they are entrepreneurs, someone might be an entrepreneur, he is a father to someone, he is a husband to someone, he is a teacher to someone, he is a mentor to someone. And so uh, there's a much more broader perspective to looking at identity rather than just by the stereotype of what someone does. Mm. That's deep. So what I'm hearing wow. is that it goes wow. beyond just a surface level and, and what society deems as a norm. And I'll give you one that came, came to me quite a bit in university yeah. mm. as, as a Jamaican, as a person of color. Um, my, my friends would always, you know, once you say, oh, I'm, from, I'm from Jamaica, they say, oh, you must smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> no, that's Bob Marley, man, Bob Marley. You know? that's, that's usually a, the first response of that person does uh. that sort of thing. And, and oftentimes it's not yeah. the case. I mean, sometimes in my life it was, unfortunately. But yeah. oftentimes it's not the case. And, you know, we get pigeonholed into um, trying to live up to the world's expectations of what they think is right in their own eyes. And we're, we do this to try and fit in. I just, I just wonder, especially as young, well, I'm not so young anymore, but as, as a you, young you, adult. You're young, you're, 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 you're young. You're young as a young adult, what is with the draw within um, us that we wanna fit in? Can, you, can anyone explain that to me? I, I think, man, that is, uh, that is such a, deep um because i again i can go back to like you know just a a personal a personal experience i remember stepping into canada for the first time um you know i was so happy so elated to see finally be with my mom and my dad like you know this has been a long time coming and time for school now had to come you know i had to i remember i was like you know 13 14 so I i was still in grade eight so I, I went to um, I went to this school. I forgot its name, but it's in North York. Uh, this middle school, and I remember my English was wasn't my English was okay, right? But I had a deep accent, and I was looking around as to where I can draw inspiration to find an identity that I can fit in and not be the outcast African kid that just, you know, fresh off the boat, whatever it is they, they, they were calling us that those days. But I remember, right. I remember just being, um, just having a struggle of, first of all, identifying which group or which group of friends that I want to um, identify with. Right. Um, Do I keep this authentic, you know, uh, as we call it, hard mashona. <laughs> uh, Rich, you get to understand that term later on. But, uh, you know, well, this I, authentic... I, think, I, think, I think a Jamaican refer to as rude boy, you know. So. Oh, right. Oh, what, yeah. like, but, but it's not really like a concept of rude boy, but it's just like this, this African, this African boy, do I keep him or do I, do I, do I literally come in and soak myself into this North American uh, Canadian individual who I'm really not, but in order to fit into my group or my circle of friends, I have to like, kind of, you know, go into. So I found, found myself really struggling with that. And 
if it weren't for my like you know my parents like constantly reminding me of who I am every day um, and really watchful of the company that I was keeping like I think I would have lost my identity I think I would have gone into the direction because I remember I used to hang out with this kid I'm not going to name him his name but he was a he was a very mischievous kid you know what I'm saying and uh, we used to walk together back from from school is that rich <laughs> might be uh but uh, i i remember we used to walk together from school and you know the identity or the persona that he was portraying every time at school it was one of a mischievous kid right kid who was up to no good um so basically my parents like really picked that picked up picked up on that and we moved out of that area right um and it was just in the nick of time and it's so that that concept of really like you know coming from a from an african like you know uh environment and i know my identity i know i'm african and now all of a sudden i'm immersed into this canadian culture there is a danger there was a danger rather of really losing my identity and who i was in the, in those situations right so yeah so I'm hearing that your parents had a really strong pivotal role in grounding yeah. you yeah. to remind you, hey, like, remember yeah. who you are, son. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just because you're in this foreign land and these different cultures are around you, mm -hmm. don't sell yourself short. Yeah. 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 I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like it, it just, um, it, it was just like a, a tender age. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when we look at like, you know, the development of a, of an individual, right. As, as they are coming from like, you know, their, their baby, their, 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 their toddler, whatever it is, their preteen, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think the preteen going into the teens is a very crucial moment in oh, yeah. the develop, like in your realization of your identity. Um, it is a crucial, crucial, crucial point because in that, in that little threshold, like, you know, I discuss in my book that's, you know, coming out soon, but in that little threshold, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a lot of things that can go right, but it all depends on where you're being guided, right? Where you're being guided. And I think that is where a lot of young people lose their identity and a lot of young people really find their identity, right? Um, in those crucial years right there. Amen. So Thomas, I know that you, you are you're a registered nurse and you, you do a lot of study on the mind and the brain. Is there anything you can share with us in terms of you know, what TK is saying about being so impressionable at such an early age on how the mind takes in its environment? You know, we hear about nature and nurture. Is there anything specifically on the mind and the brain that you could chime in and help us out to understand deeper? Sure. Um, you know, the brain is all constantly, you know, uh, building new neural pathways. However, at that age, when you're still a teenager, up until I think they say until like uh, 27, uh, you're still really developing your frontal lobe. It's, it's still in the process of just being developed. That's why you see sometimes teenagers don't make the best decisions. Uh, they're still going through that growth process where their frontal lobe is not fully developed to, to, to an adult um, uh, stage. So uh, you realize that, like, like TK say, that's a very uh, crucial time that like, you know, uh, when someone is at that age, they should have a mentor. Um, unfortunately, um, people have, have this stereotype where they're like, you know, once someone hits their teenage years, they, uh, they are going wild and it, it has become to be accepted. But that appearance of going wild is someone trying to, as, as their brain is constantly developing, trying to figure out who they are. And this is where, where it really helps when you have a mentor and you have someone who you really look up to who's, uh, who gives a... Um, and it helps you to have a, um, who gives a, a good influence to you. So uh, I can give from, I can say for myself, I unfortunately didn't have those good mentors. So who did, who ended up being my mentors? Well, the music I was listening to, like mm -hmm. the hip hop music, right? So you see in the uh, hip hop music, it's all about drugs, it's all about money, it's all about ladies. And so 
that's that's the identity I was trying to shape myself into at that age. And I was like really uh, I'll show you some pictures one day. I was like wearing really baggy jeans and you know all that kind of hip hop kind of culture and trying to assimilate into it because I'm, my brain is trying to fully develop, trying to figure out who my identity is. And because I didn't have a male, male figure mentor, um, I got some male figure mentors from like, you know, rappers and, you know, that kind of stuff, like hip hop rappers and yeah. Thomas, I can, I can identify with what you're saying, you know, no pun intended, but I remember in like the early 2000s, I'm dating myself now, when I'd watch the music videos, uh, mid 2000s or wherever this is, it was, you see the guys with do rags, see them with like fancy cars, the girls with the big behinds and all the skin. And for some reason, that was that was sort of what was attractive to me in that moment of my walk. And I'm remembered, I'm reminded of a, a quote that says, "As we behold, we become changed." Because here I was going, you know, I was going to church, but not really in church. I was going because my parents were taking me, sort of thing, at that stage of my life as a teenager. But, you know, the same thing, baggy pants, baggy jeans, my boxers are showing, do-rags on, my hair is braided. Um, by the time I'm living, living in the city, I have my ears pierced. Um, I'm, I'm hanging out with my friends, trying to go to the club. And I, I grew up uh, with a pretty strong Christian upbringing. But somewhere along the lines, I was just like, this is not for me. I want to I rebel, like this whole spirit of rebellion where it wasn't cool. You know, what my parents were saying was it seemed lame. And I kept thinking to myself, they don't know what they're talking about. That's old. That, you know, that, that was from like way back in donkey years ago. You know, they, don't, they don't know what we're going through in these times. Times have changed. And I would try to justify everything I was doing. You know, I would try to say, listen, I need to get my hair braided because, you know, everyone else is doing it. Or I need to, you know, I need to go to the club on such and such night or even go there in general because that's how I want to find my wife. This is, this is my thinking, right? So you can, you can see how your mind is completely warped at that age. And as, as you get older, you sort of look back and you think, wow, my goodness, I went through quite a bit just to get where I am today and thank God for it. You know, so we, we've sort of taken the last 20 minutes to look at, um, you know, identity and what the world perspective calls it but you know as as christians there, there are many ideas and concepts that we've heard over and over again and we haven't really um we sometimes you don't really think about the, the words that we're reading for example you know we say you got to be born again you know to enter the kingdom of god what does it really mean to be born again or it says you know give your burdens to jesus you know just lay them at his feet you know they sound beautiful in nature but what does it really mean um, there's a verse in Ephesians where it talks about the whole armor of God. You know, what does the armor of God look like? Are we literally putting on a belt of truth? Are we literally putting on a helmet of salvation? And so, you know, we read the words at face value. And again, but we don't understand the undertone and the, the depth of what these words are really uh, meaning. Um, just in the same way we, we, we discussed some um, worldly uh, stereotypes uh, pertain to identical ident identity and uh, identity-based uh, characteristics and frameworks. What are some stereotypes any of you, any of you guys think of when it comes to say Christians or churchgoers or church boys or church girls um, that you were growing up with that maybe you've changed over the years and um, you can share with us? Um, I, I I think like there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of there's a lot to unpack here. Um, as it per like pertains to Christian identity. Um, I, I think the best way that I, that I can describe some of, the, um, some of the misconceptions that we have is that we identify our experience uh, as being the, single, the singular thing that gives us favor with God. So if our experience is a poor Christian experience, we, we esteem ourselves as being um, cursed by God. But if we have a rich Christian experience or a rich Christian walk, we have a, a church that is uh, vibrant, the music is popping, like, you know, we dress our Sunday best or our, our, our Sabbath best, um, to church, um, then we, are, we, we think that we are highly favored by God. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a common misconception because it's not really, 
dealing with the core of identity when it comes to the Christian walk. Um, there's a lot to unpack here, and 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 I'll just wait for Thomas to just uh, give me his uh, his response to that. <laughs> you know, um, I think some of the stereotypes that we have uh, in life is that are that um, whenever we see someone in the church uh, coming to church, we sometimes stereotype that they already have a relationship with God. You know. Mm. And just because someone is in the church does not necessarily mean that like they had, they actually have a relationship with God. You know, they might know about God, but doesn't necessarily mean that they know God. There's a big difference between those two knowing about God and actually knowing God. And so uh, that's one stereotype. I, one uh, stereotype I see in the, in the Christian circle. Another one, which is kind of related to what TK talked about uh, when it comes about, um, how we see our, our relationship to God in 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 a, in a, how, how do I explain this? How we see our standing to God uh, in in relationship to our um, our prosperity or our lack of prosperity, you know. So, for example, some people equate to you know financial prosperity to, to being in a good position with God, and when things are going wrong, to be you know what you must be sinning. But, you know, we see in the Bible where people, people who were like blameless, like Job and um, going through rough times, not necessarily because like they had sinned or done anything wrong. And even his friends, they thought like, you must have done something really bad. Why have you lost all your wealth? And sometimes we just kind of really equate your, how much money is in your bank to be real proportional to your relationship to God. <laughs> That's deep, brother. That's deep. And I love that you mentioned Joe because here was a man who was wealthy. He was a man who had lots of cattle, land, big family, everything you can imagine. And, you know, we know the story that, you know, God allowed certain things to happen for him to be tempted by Satan. And everything was stripped from him. Everything that he had that he valued, except for his wife and some of his servants, pretty much all that he had from the world perspective, the outward, and TK had touched on this about you know the external you know sometimes we can see oh man he's wearing a nice a nice uh, three-piece suit that's custom fitted meanwhile his heart or her heart is broken inside and i think one of the biggest misconceptions that we have um pertain to christians or church goers or believers is that they're perfect and that's so far from the truth because christians in themselves are normal human beings they're susceptible to temptations they fall you know, but the Lord says in the in, in word that a righteous man falls seven times, but he's, he gets back up. And so when we sin and when we fall as, as a Christian, you know, we can be going right ahead, going through life. and Everything feels like, you know, we're on a spiritual high Then we get knocked down once. It could be, you know, we lost a job or we're broke or yeah. you know, physically unable, financially unable, um, emotionally unable. You know, we get broken and then we wonder does God not love me anymore? But look at Job. Job loved God. He served God. He was praying for his kids just in case they sinned. You know, he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man before God's eyes. But yet all of these calamities, all of these things happened to him. But yet when I look at Job and I look at his relationship with his wife, and we can touch on this later. When you look at his relationship with his wife, he didn't accept what she was saying because she was saying, why don't you just curse God and die? Job knew in his heart where his identity was. Mm. He could see the internal mm. that his identity was with his relationship. Thomas touched on this, mm. his relationship with his maker. And that relationship right. with his maker stems from knowing the word of God. Cause that's how we, this is how we are able to communicate with God by knowing his word, the logos, Jesus is the bread of life. Mm. And he's preserved these words for us even today. I don't want to preach, but mm. you know, if we look at the reformers, the people yeah. who came before who allowed the Bible to be accessible, yeah. There was a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of people who died just so we can have the word of God in our hands. Yeah. But just like our identity in Christ, sometimes maybe we just don't appreciate the value or see the value. I, I think you hit on something that is, um, that is major. Like as we talk about this um, concept of identity and you, you and Thomas really like talk, like you really hit on this point that 
Job is a is a perfect example. And I think we need to do we need to do a series, like a, a whole series of podcasts on 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 just Job because there's yeah. so much to unpack in that in that in that book. Um and and there's a reason why, like you know, it is it is said that it is one of um, if the not um, if not the first book of Moses, um, Job, the book of Job, um, and it's really talking about like you know really unpacking this cosmic conflict that is going on, uh, but also like you know highlighting our identity who we should identify in. So the point that I want to touch on here is the fact that when we lose the things that we think are our identity, how are we going to react? And so it's sort of like a, like a question to you boys, like how are we going to, react because the bible does tell us that especially highlighting in the book of revelation chapter 13 that when when the when things start to fly which <laughs> we're looking around is 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 headed in that direction we're not going to be able to buy or sell now when we lose our property when we lose our business when we lose the things we value the things we identify with in this world how are we going to process that if we don't have an identity in in God. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a powerful question because it ties on a lot of things, you know. For example, when you say when you lose your business or when you lose your job, right? That kind of ties back to one of the serial times that we talked about where we say like sometimes people identify themselves by what they do or what they own, right? So they say, I'm an entrepreneur. When they ask, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. They say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a this, right? Mm. So they equate their identity to what they do. So what happens when that's taken away from you, right? And um and to, to some people who identify themselves as I'm a husband, right? Um, you know, I want to touch back to, you know, the something that uh, Rich touched upon when you were talking about the relationship between Job and his wife, mm-hmm. right? His wife said, hey, just curse God and, and die. Mm-hmm. If Job's uh, identity was uh, founded upon, like, how his wife views him, then he would have done it because like she, she is the foundation of his identity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that our identity be in Christ and not be in a, in a spouse or in a girlfriend, because a lot of times that actually uh, puts you in a really bad, bad place because your, your, your self-worth now uh, be, become so dependent on the other person. If they think you're cool and you're awesome and you're handsome and you're all those good things, yeah. you're you're feeling really good but the moment they start thinking that you're amazing you're this cool guy you're whatever and they you know you're breaking up and whatever your whole world is crashing mm-hmm. and i think it's so important to have this identity being like so solid in christ because um even even let's say you're a single guy right yeah. and you're you're trying you know you're trying to ask out a girl if you don't have your identity in Christ and you're you are trying to seek your identity in how she this girl thinks about you um the moment she rejects you your whole world is crashing oh um even if she doesn't reject you she might um she might not well she might even reject you because whenever your your identity is now attached to what she thinks about you that might that might actually even project as being needy yeah yeah and and it's it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby because you're projecting as being needy mm-hmm. uh, no girl wants to be with you because no girl wants a needy guy mm-hmm. but um you know so I, I think like just like having your identity in christ solves a lot of things like if you're having troubles with finding girls as a guy just find your identity in christ <laughs> yes. and you become the most attractive guy uh to girls. Amen. amen amen brother and, and I think like we're really unpacking something. Do you guys remember that um, that story of the rich young ruler? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Jesus. And then how the, the guy really literally came to Jesus and was like, hey, teacher, I've kept the commandments all of my life. I've kept all of these things. 
I am a, I am a Christian of Christians. I go to Sabbath every day or every Sabbath. Like, you know, I wear my three piece suit. I give whatever this, this, that, this, that. Um, but Christ asks him to give up what he's identified with his entire life. Mm. And almost it has become like an idol for him. Right. Come on. Which he, 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 he subconsciously worships. Right. Because in his mind, he's still thinking that I am still doing good in God's eyes. And, and this is like really deep because this is most of our Christian experience. We think we go all of our lives thinking that we're doing right by God. But if God were to ask us, right, TK, uh, Takuzwa, why don't you give up this pursuit of law for me? Richard, why don't you sell your business? Tom, Thomas, why don't you quit all good shop? They're kind of hitting home, doesn't it? It's yeah. kind of hitting home, right? It's kind of hitting home. I'm like, but, are you sure, Lord? Am I hearing right? Am I hearing you right? So the thing that the thing that you have like you have like really dedicated a lot of time and resources mm. to a lot of money to and then god just shows up and be like hey thomas i know you've been you know constructing this all good shop this really really vegan really really amazing shop that you got online it's about to be the amazon of all things vegan uh i want you to stop it right now and follow me how are you reacting to that is your identity in all good in your business in the position that you have become of ceo of the company which is a very excellent accomplishment same to you rich are you are you really like embedded in in nobility cleaning are you really embedded in that and god just shows up and tells you hey rich i know this has been your life's work uh, but I want you to sell it. I want you to give it up. And I want you to follow me. You're hitting the nails on the, on the head with all kind of hammers right now, bro. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but this is, this is, this is, and, and, and I think this is what Paul really talks about when he goes into the concept of the old man, right? Mm. Like this is in, in, in Colossians chapter three in verse nine, it says, lie not one to another seeing that he have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Right. Um, I think Paul is really like touching on something here because the old man, what the old man is really seeking to do is really embed himself like build that tower of babel that tower of success i myself did it on the earth and i'm not really thinking about things eternal to the point where the lord will show up and really asks you to deconstruct all of that and just like the young ruler will walk away head down and really so it's a, it's a, it's a really, where is our identity? I think that's a, that's a very thing. Like it's a very deep concept to unpack. I think it's a very powerful statement, TK, because if you, you see in the life of Christ, everyone that he calls, mm. the, the disciples, there were fishermen, there were tax collectors, there were doctors, you know, they had different professions. And he said, you know, leave your, leave your stuff and come and follow me. Mm. And if you ask a really deep question of if, if that is the Lord's will to say, you know, sacrifice your business or sacrifice your life's work, you know, how much do you love me? Do you love me more than you love these things, these accomplishments that you spend your time, your energy, your resources towards, you know, and I think sometimes God tests us. I think of Abraham, I yeah. think of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice that he had to make and what he had to walk through, because here was a man who was looking forward to the promised seed that God had promised him. You know, God bless her heart. Sarah went ahead and she was like, you know, take my handmaiden, you know, maybe this is God's will and try to push it against because it wasn't happening the right time. Right. And, you know, on top of that, no, he has Isaac and the Lord saying, Abraham, do you love me more than you love Isaac? Mm. Essentially, right? Because he said, would you sacrifice your son um, in order so that, you know, to show your obedience to me? 
And I think it's so important because a key piece of all of this I'm hearing is foundation. And we talk about Jesus being the rock and his him being the rock of our foundation. We cannot be moved. So the question is, where do our love, where does our heart lie? And in Revelation, it talks about remembering our first love. And that first love isn't our, our mom or dad or our girlfriend or our spouse, whatever the case is. That first love is supposed to be Christ. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And in life, I, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if it means that I'm no longer alive, it means that my desires, my earthly and fleshly desires should not supersede the spiritual desires, the desires that the Christ within me, the Holy Spirit within me, that is desiring and calling out to say, hey, Thomas, hey, Richard, hey, TK, you need to be doing this in this moment, this season. But I, the question that begs, I have to ask myself is, what is that restraint? Why do we have that hesitation? If, if God says jump or take the walk or take leak of faith, like Peter walking in the water, what is it that, that causes the hesitation in that split second because that split second can last an eternity. Wow, such a deep question. Thomas? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna digest a little bit on this one. Wow, uh, such a deep, deep question. I, I think, reflection, yeah. I, I think, uh, again, it's, it's, it's looking back at the possessions that we have and the things that we pause, have. Pause, pause, can you just pause for a second? Yeah. You said possessions. Right. Let's just break that word down for a second. When someone has a demon inside of them, what do uh, we say they are? Possessed. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a go deep ahead, go one. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like, I think the, the one thing that Satan has really, like, really, really done to this world is almost... A twisted, it's a twisted uh, process of beautifying what is really not beautiful, right? Uh, because when we behold God, like even the prophets and prophets of old, like Ezekiel, like when he saw God, like, you know, this, this, this majestic, like sense of awe, sense of he, he let all power left him, right? Same with Daniel, right? He sees God on his throne, like a rainbow, like a, like is, is surrounding his throne. So this is beautiful, right? And the things that God has in store for us is beautiful. But remember when Satan tempted Jesus, right? And Jesus is out in the wilderness. Really, I, I, I'm, I'm like, this, this was a really a process of him um, really discovering his identity with his father right and in this time period in that crucial moment satan shows up and is like look at all this look at all this world look at he, he gave him a, 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 almost like a panoramic view of the whole history of the world mm. and what is to come what was what is to come what is now and he gives them a wide view of everything. So imagine Christ is there seeing <laughs> the stock markets, how like how rich he could get off the stock markets, how or like, crypto. How the crypto, the Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's seeing the yachts, he's seeing all the, the rise and fall of these empires and the, the crown that he could get off of this whole world and everything. But at what cost of him losing his identity? Or his soul. Or his soul. Mm. Mm. Okay, come on. What's interesting is the first temptation says, yeah. if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. It was really attacking on his identity, right? He yep. wanted to doubt his identity. Yep. Mm -hmm. And... Um, what I realized is, you know, I was, um, there was other time uh, my friends and I were doing a Bible study on why identity is important. And one of the things we realized is that um, identity precedes mission, right? When your identity is clear to you, then everything, your mission and your life purpose and everything else that follows becomes very clear to you. And so this is why just before Jesus starts his, mission, his ministry, 
or his mission, the reason why he came to earth, Satan tries to attack his identity. Right. Wow. And, and that's, a, that's a key moment right there, what you yeah. just said. That is a, a key moment because let's translate that now into, into today, into the church, right? I, I believe that what the gospel here really is showing us, right, is Satan's strategy in defeating God's people or in, 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 in claiming God's people. And he did it to Jesus. It's his three-prong attack. Number one, I'm going to get you to doubt your identity. Number one. And number two, I am going to tempt you, right, to believe in your own power. Remember when, when he tempted Jesus mm -hmm. to do what? To change the bread into, or to change the stone, sorry, into the, into the bread. That is him tempting him to use his own power to do something not relying on his father, not relying on God. And then third, what does he do? He gives him the whole world. He literally shows him the world. And this is, if you, re if you really like go deep into it, you, you, you start to realize that this is, talk about war strategies, Rich. Talk about mm -hmm. war plans. This is a war plan by Satan really to dismantle the purpose of God's people. Number one, I'm going to get you to forget your identity. Number two, I'm going to get you to rely on your own power to do whatever you're going to do. And number three, I'm going to give you the world. Mm -hmm. That's so deep. Uh, you know, go ahead, Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to in, like you said, bringing it very close to home and like seeing like in, in our generation, right, how that even really plays out, you know. You talk about, um, we, we talked a little bit about, like, you know, how Satan attacks our identity. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you talk about the other thing where you say, like, uh, he uh, tempted him to use his own power to do something which is supernatural, right? Changing stones into bread is, is supernatural. I, I don't know whether, you know, if, you, if there's any company out there which is, which is doing it in this day and age, <laughs> definitely a supernatural thing. Right. So uh, in the same way, you know, walking a Christian walk is a supernatural thing. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like walking right with God. And one of the temptations of the devil is that we can do it in our own power without Come on, like, brother. Yeah, in, our, in our own righteousness, right? Oh, um, where, whereas, uh, as, as, as soon as we think we can, uh, we are, we are good people or righteous people, we can do this in our own power. We don't need, you know, the blood of Jesus, we don't need mm -hmm. God to help us along the way, then He's got us. And there comes in that spiritual pride which we mm -hmm. saw in Satan and Isaiah, you know, they get the eye problem. I will ascend to heaven. I will be yep. like the most high. I will exactly. be in my throne. I will be like God. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. That is, oh. that is a, uh, that is a deep, deep, deep uh, revelation right there, brother Thomas. Um, that is just awesome. And I, I just want to read something to you guys. Um, it's from uh, this, uh, this brother is an Adventist brother. Um, his name was My Michael Marsh. He passed away, but he was an elder in California. And he really, like, you know, wrote an exposition on the importance of righteousness by faith, identifying who we have our righteousness in. And he says, but does not the believer have a perfect righteousness? Yes, he has. Does not a perfect righteousness mean a perfect relationship? Yes, it does. How then does the believer have a perfect relationship? He has it by faith and imputation or another person's righteousness. Another person's identity is imputed to onto you. Therefore you identify in his works and in his righteousness. No longer do you walk and say, I, but you walk and you say it is Christ, right? Um, and he's, he goes on to say, on his behalf, Christ has a perfect relationship to God, to man, and to the whole created order. All that was lost in Adam is restored in Christ. I think that's a very major, major, major key point right there to 
really get us to focus and really see where our, our, our identity lies. And it is not in ourselves. It is not in our own works. It is not in our own identity. It is identifying in Christ. That is where we have to get to as believers, as a church. And this is not going to be a popular, I don't think this is going to be a popular message because a lot of people we have been fed that we can do this by our own. We can walk, you know, through experience. If I have this experience is going to allow me to be holy and righteous in, in God. So Rich? You know, in the Bible, we always think that once you get baptized, life's going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, but it's, that's not biblical. Yeah. Jesus says, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Second Timothy 2 verse 3 says, you therefore must endure, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. You talk about war plans. Christ himself was the model soldier. Yeah. Right. I want us to understand this. In Second Corinthians uh, 10 verses 3 to 5, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. We talk about this idea of righteousness by faith. Ellen White has a quote that says, the righteousness by which we are justified is imputed. As TK was saying before, the righteousness by which we are sanctified is imparted Again, it's coming from a source that's external from us. It's not from within. It's from external. The first is our title to heaven. The second is our fitness for heaven. Praise God. So when we, are, when we accept Christ, we are justified. Mm-hmm. But just as though we have to exercise and we have to work out and eat right every day, this idea of sanctification now, where every day is a daily walk, where we say it's no longer I've been crucified, uh, so like I believe what Christ lives within me. Jesus says yeah. daily, pick up your cross and follow me. So, you know, we can go to bed one minute, wake up the next, and we wake up in a, a fuss, wake up in a hurry. And you know, people call it waking on the wrong side of the bed. But sometimes, you know, as Christians, we wake up with the wrong God in our mind. We forget who God is. We rush out the door and have no idea that we're not even covered because we're going directly into the work. We're going to the battlefield every single day. And if we're not covered, we're going to get beat up. And there's a story that we didn't get to cover today about the sons of Sceva. Mm-hmm. Found in Acts chapter 19, if you want to take a look at it later on, where these, these seven sons who are sons of the high priest, they were pretending to be Christians as they were doing things in the flesh. And they were calling on Jesus' name. So the, and they were trying to cast the demons and do all the things the disciples were doing. But the demons themselves said, Paul, I know, but who are you? You know, they were doing it with the wrong motive, the wrong intention. They were doing it for the external accolades and the acknowledgement from man instead of the genuine belief of setting the captives free, causing the lame to walk in, the blind to see, and giving people the gospel gospel and the, the, the three angels message that they need to hear in this season, in this hour. So I'm 100% behind you, T. Can we talk about righteousness by faith and recognizing that it's an external um, gift that is imputed, that is imparted daily, yea, over the course of our life to be fitted for the fitness of heaven so that when people see us, they don't see TK, they don't see Thomas, they don't see Richard, they see Christ being reflected back at them. I think that is how we get grounded on the foundation, on the rock of Christ being, yea, the vine and we being the branches. We're stemming, we're we're getting our source from him. That's a beautiful part of it. Amazing. Amen. Amen. And I, I love this uh, text, which is Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 17. Uh, I'm going to repeat that. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, it reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, and all things become new again. And I, I think this is so beautiful to just like really realize that when, when you're in Christ, when we choose that we want to be identified with Christ, mm. then God is like, we are a new creature, you know. It doesn't really matter what we have done in the past, how we have messed up. God is like, I'm looking you, looking at you through fresh eyes. You know, the old, old stuff that you've you done in the past that you regret about, 
it's all passed away. You know, mm -hmm. I'm giving you a, a clean page. Behold, all things uh, uh, become new again. And pretty much um, when you really boil down to what this really means is you have to think back, back, back in the beginning, right? Where we were made in the image of God, right? And then we lost that identity through sin. Mm -hmm. And now God is re redeeming us and he's giving us that identity again, that being identified in the image of God. And I, I think that's pretty awesome, like to be made in the image of God, yes. right? Think about it. Like a lot of times when people are having identity issues, they want to identify themselves with celebrities. They want to identify themselves with popular people because like those people are cool, right? They've done cool stuff, right? Um, some people um, want to be like, you know, I know in the, in the entrepreneurial world, in the tech world, some people wish they were like Elon Musk, right? Uh, because he's done all these cool things but like when i think about god like god is like more more cool tech than elon musk right <laughs> god has uh he created the universe right he mm. created everything that, mm. that we see that's out there and he created everything that's microscopic technology beyond this world's comprehension beyond exactly. it, beyond it yeah like like in heaven there's like high tech like that mm. we have not even imagined and then god is like yeah you're in, I'm, you're, I'm now, I want you to identify yourself with me now. I want you to see yourself as a person who's created in the image, in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And he even reminds us, I believe it's uh, Psalm 139 verse 14, which says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty very uh, solemn when it says we are fearfully made and wonderfully mm -hmm. made as if it's, it's almost as if God himself when he was making us, there was fear involved in the process, but we know God is not a God of fear. So it's, it's like a very profound way of describing how we're created, fearfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Amen. Amen, brother. I think you hit it on the nail right there. Like it's, uh, it's about time we, we stand in our true identity. Um, I think we have been wavering a lot in terms of where we want to place our, our identities, where we want to place our, our riches. I, I forget which scripture this is, but uh, you boys can probably look it up for me. It says, um, do not lay your riches on the earth where the moth and, the, um, and something else Matthew can corrupt you. Right. Six verse 19. Okay. Read, read it out loud, Rich, for me. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where yeah. thieves break through and steal. But mm -hmm. lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where mm -hmm. neither moth uh, nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Yeah. That, that, is, exactly, um, that is exactly the point that I'm trying to emphasize and to the to a young person out there listening to this podcast uh to this recording uh you're in the church you are um you are being influenced by whatever is being in, like is influencing you to place your identity in things of this world and in, in the you know in the friends in the in the in the groups or whatever it is that you are placing your identity in um these are things that uh, the moth and the rust, they're going to corrupt it. Um, and you have to, you have to humble yourself and place your trust and your identity in Christ because he is the atonement for our sins um, and he will be able to uh, save us. I, I saw a message this week and I want to just leave. We have maybe four or five minutes left in this, in this segment. You know, it's easy to backslide. We all do it at some point in time or another in our lives. But I think the most important thing is to remember that we have a savior who is so merciful that regardless of how far that we have fallen, he, he is willing to come and bring us out of that miry pit, out of literal hell and to lift us up so we can be where he is. I saw a quote this week that said, um, I have given God a million reasons not to love me, 
none of them changed his mind. Wow. And I think as young people, both male and female, you know, we may have thought we could, we did something like we, oh no, we, we got pregnant or we, you know, had sex before a marriage or, you know, I, you know, I, I hurt someone physically or I, worst case, I killed someone, you know, you know, there's people in the Bible who are murderers, even David, who was a murderer and an adulterer, but God forgive him to the point where he said, David is a man after my own heart. You know, sometimes you don't take in the forgiveness of God. And oftentimes we try to clean up our own sins and say, yeah, I, I don't need any help from anyone or I'm just going to do my best and hope the best, hope for the best and see what happens when God is saying, listen, listen, come as you are. Sins, faults, imperfections and everything else. Because when you look at Christ's righteousness, the visual of it, it's a rope. It's a dazzling white rope and it covers up all of our imperfections. It covers up all of the defects. And that robe is so perfect. There's no wrinkles. Um, it's a perfect white. You can't add bleach to it to make it any whiter. And as much as you try, you only tarnish it. And it's only a gift that we can accept to say, God, here I am as your child. I've strayed or I don't know you yet. Please reveal yourself onto me and put your robe of righteousness on me. And the thing is that when we have that robe on us, we are literally holding the titles now, the identity the true identity of what it means to be a Christian. And when we have that title, the enemy can have no stronghold, no, no way to get into our hearts because we're now rooted on the firm foundation of the rock, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen, brother. Any closing thoughts? We've got two minutes to wrap up. It's your time. You can go ahead first while I digest on this. Um, like, I, I feel like I've, I've, um, like, again, we have a lot to unpack. Just, I feel like we need to do like a three part, four part series to this, because <laughs> there's just a lot to unpack when it comes to this. So I'm just like, you know, again, reaching out to those who are listening to this podcast, um, really lay your treasures in the Lord. Um, as we are going to be approaching the end of time. Um, as we are in the end of time, really, um, there's going to be a lot of deceptions, a lot of things that are going to come your way. But if you are identifying in Christ and saying Christ is my identity, my righteousness before the great tribunal of Yahweh, the great tribunal of God, before this cosmic tribunal, just like Job, God would, de would declare you a righteous man, a righteous woman. Even though if you lose everything, if you lose your possessions, God will be able to uh, declare you righteous. Amen. Amen. And for me, I would say, I don't know if we'll have a part two or part three of this, but um, say we'll never have a part two or part three of this. Um, Amen. Amen. <laughs> something i'll live with the audience is you know take some inventory on your life um all of us if you want to be honest with ourselves there are these things that we have built as our identities which are not in christ mm. take some time to just like write down what those things are yeah and once you write what those things are um go into the bible and find promises in god's word where he uh, fulfills those things because whatever our desire is, right? Whether it's to be recognized, whether it's to be, to be noticed, whether whatever it is that we end up finding false identities in, God actually has the true, the, a true promise for whatever that is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would just highly recommend just like really be honest with yourself, take an inventory of all the false identities that you've built for yourself and search the Bible. Uh, God has so many promises which fulfill the, 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 the true desire that you, that you actually have and um, really be, take it like as a literal exercise, like as a very practical exercise when you go about like finding your identity in Christ. And anytime you start doubting yourself again, go back to your journal and look at those promises. I literally have that list. And every time I, I start to find my identity again in all these false identities, I go back and look at like, God has reminded me through his promises in his word that this is my identity in Christ through this Bible promises. Amen. 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 Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, TK. 
This has been another episode of uh, the Upstander 2.0 podcast with Branch Ministries. We hope you were blessed in learning about your true identity in Christ. And before we go, I just want to say a word of prayer and to um, ask you to please subscribe, share, uh, follow, um, encourage your other brothers, your other sisters. Do the same if you've been blessed by this. I mean, uh, do unto others as you have them do unto you. But before we go, I want to leave you the word of prayer. It won't be long. And I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would be with each listener, each watcher, anyone who's struggling with their identity, that you may reveal to them who they are in you and not in the world. For we are a new creation and you have made all things new. And so we just ask that you fulfill those promises in our lives, that daily we can pick up our cross, we can follow you. And remember, it's not by our strength, it's not by our might, but it's by your Holy Spirit through the righteousness of Christ. And we thank you for hearing our prayers and for each person listening. We say amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bye, guys. See you for now. Love you, bye.